You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. See, the grass is greener over there, but yet, yeah, but does God want you to go over there? Is that what God wants? You see, you leave God out of the equation, you go, oh man, that's, that's it right there. And you just follow your eyes. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Third thing he says in the world is the pride of life. Oh man, I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be somebody. Or, or whatever glory it is. It, it, it's that thing of glory, but it's, it's the world. Are you seeking after God's glory or the pleasures of the flesh? All of us have an inherited nature that seeks to serve self. Your heart yearns for the next high in whatever form it may take. It may be money, wealth, possessions, relationships, experiences. The list of what the world can offer is extensive. But those things will not satisfy. As Pastor Danny reminds us in today's message, God designed you for intimacy with Him. And it's only in that relationship that you can find eternal fulfillment. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, as he continues his message, Last Call. Our motive to share Christ is the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. And so it still is our responsibility, the Great Commission. But if I understand my Bible more correctly now, and I take Matthew 24, 14, and I match it up with Revelation 14, the final evangelistic thrust to the whole world is not through the church. It's by an angel. And nobody is going to be missed. And everybody is going to hear. He says it in a loud voice. He has the eternal gospel. Fascinating. The eternal gospel. Titus 1-2. God promised it before the beginning of time. Put that in your pea brain on a starry night and meditate on it. Before time began, which is something to meditate on. What did it look like before time began? I don't know. But before time began, before God created anything, it was just God. And he made a promise. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit got together and said, here's what's going to happen. We're going to create, and we're going to create man, and we're going to put man in the garden, and we're going to marry them, and Adam and Eve, and they're going to be in paradise, and, and yet they're going to blow it. And because they blow it, sin comes upon the whole human race. But we got a plan, and we promise, we promise And the son, who was the word then, who became flesh, agreed, yeah, let's do it. And the plan was laid out before the beginning of time. Fascinating. And this angel is is going around the world in this final moment of human history, just before Jesus returns in his second coming. 
And he's sharing the eternal gospel. It's the final offer of salvation. And we're already to our second point from the text. What is God saying? It's the final prophetic declaration. Verse 8, a second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Babylon the great, that is a clue. Because when we get, get to Revelation 17, you're going to see Babylon the great again. There Babylon the great is described as a prostitute, not just a prostitute, the mother of all prostitutes. She sits upon many waters. That's interesting. We've learned in Revelation the many waters represent peoples, nations, languages worldwide. And yet in Revelation 17, there's also a, a literal city. She sits on seven hills, verse 9 of Revelation 17. Scholars throughout history agree that seems to refer to Rome. Well, we know there's going to be a revived Roman Empire. The Antichrist is going to rule over the revived Roman Empire. And this revived Roman Empire somehow represents Babylon the Great, the mother of all prostitutes. So there's a literal ancient Babylon. There's a literal future Babylon that seems to refer to a revived Roman Empire. But there's also a spiritual Babylon, and that is... Babylon the Great. We need to understand if we want to hear what God has to say in this text, what is Babylon the Great? Because Babylon the Great, the prophecy is, the declaration is, fallen, fallen. God says it twice, it's sure to happen. She's going down. Now it was prophesied that ancient Babylon would go down, never to be rebuilt again. Jeremiah 50, completely destroy her, leave her no remnant. It'll never again be inhabited or lived in as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, so no one will live there. Chapter 51 of Jeremiah, you'll be desolate forever, declares the Lord. Uh, Babylon, verse 37, will be a heap of ruins, a place where no one lives. Isaiah 13, same prophecy. Verse 19, Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, will be overthrown by God like Sodom and Gomorrah. My Old Testament prophet, um, uh, professor, prof. Ed Heinzen from Liberty. He'll be back with us again in October. I can't wait. His book on Revelation. Let me just read his comments on ancient Babylon. Page 156. Proponents argue that ancient Babylon, which has been in ruins for centuries in fulfillment of the prophecies of the Bible, will be rebuilt on a grand scale and become the political and economic center of the planet and the capital of the Antichrist all within the first half of the tribulation. He obviously doesn't agree with those who suggest that. The city fell in one night to Cyrus the Persian in 539 BC. Later in 482 BC, the Persian king Xerxes totally demolished Babylon and burned it. Attempts to rebuild Babylon by Alexander the Great in 331 B.C. and Antiochus Epiphanes in 173 B.C. both failed. By 24 B.C., Strabo described Babylon as empty and desolate. In A.D. 116, the Roman emperor Trajan stopped there and reported he found nothing but ruins. Left behind, listen, was the largest mound of ruins in the ancient world. Thus, the name Babylon, once associated with greatness and splendor, came to refer to great ruins to the people of John's day 
when the revelation was written. Ancient Babylon has been destroyed. A future literal Babylon, a revived Roman empire will also fall. But there's this also mysterious and yet real Babylon the Great. What is Babylon the Great? Well, you're asking all the right questions to find the answers. Now go with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, and you'll get our best clue in understanding what is Babylon the Great. Genesis 11, verse 1. Here's the record. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech years ago. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, and they settled there. Shinar is ancient geographical Babylon. They said to each other, come and let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone. Pause. They used brick instead of stone. Why? Brick is man-made. There's a message here. Stone is God-made. They used something man-made and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves, not for God, and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. And the Lord said, if it's one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And God is saying, I don't like what they're doing. This is not a good thing. This is bad. I'm going to put a stop to it. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. Kind of hard to build something together if you don't know what the other person's saying. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth. This is where the languages came from. And they stopped building The city, heaven's mission accomplished. That is why it was called Babel. Because God confused the languages. And you're going, man, I used to know what you were saying, but what what kind of language are you saying? What are you talking? I don't understand you. It's just Babel to me. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is Babylon. This is where it all started. Where what all started? Where the world got together. The world of people got together and decided we're going to build something, but we're going to leave God out of the equation. The tower they're building to the heavens, they were worshiping the heavens. They worship the creation instead of the creator. Once you do that, everything goes downhill from there. This is where every single false religion originated. This is where every single pursuit, every single endeavor, every desire of man coming together to do something, but leaving God out of the equation. Let me put it on very layman terms that anybody can understand. This is the world. And Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, sitting on many waters, it's worldwide. It is a system. It is a spirit. It is a people. 
that in their lives, their goals, their desires, their pursuits, their achievement, everything, everything they do, God is not in the equation. You talk about practical. Here's the declaration from our text in Revelation 14. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. First, the eternal gospel is proclaimed. You can be saved. Jesus died for your sins. And now, the declaration. Babylon. The world. And everything about the world is about to be shut down. Now, hang with me. You got to really, this is... So practical. If you read the text and compare the text, this mother of prostitutes, this Babylon the Great, she is drunk from the blood of the saints. She hates the saints. Jesus said in John chapter 15, you're not of the world any more than I'm of the world. The reason the world hates you is because it hated me. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. James chapter 4, listen to what James says. Now it's strong, but sometimes you need to hear the strong (laughs) Because sometimes we need to hear it. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Now let's take it another step to to bring it really, really right down to where we live. John put it this way in 1 John chapter 2, 15 to 17. Don't love the world nor anything in the world for everything in the world is not from the Father, from the world. And And if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And then he describes it. I mean, he itemizes it. Here's what's in the world. Lust of the flesh. Boy, is that practical. I want to gratify my desire. And if it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and I don't have to worry about sexual sin because God's not in the equation. When God's not in the equation, I'm going to have what I want. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. Right? Whatever it is. Whether it's sexual immorality, whatever it is. That's the lust of the flesh. But that's the world. That's the world. The lust of the eyes. And you see, the grass is greener over there, but yeah, but does God want you to go over there? Is that what God wants? You see, you leave God out of the equation, and you go, oh man, that's, that's it right there. And you just follow your eyes. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Third thing he says in the world is the pride of life. Oh man, I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to be somebody. Oh, whatever glory it is. It, it, it's that thing of glory, but it's, it's the world. Now you're really not going to like it. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, do we need to hear it? I need to hear it. Ephesians 2 verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We were headed for hell. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Now, I want you to understand who he's talking about here. Because he says all of us. All of us. He's talking about the Danny Hodges who was a party animal before I committed my life to Christ. But he's also talking about people like the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was a respectable guy. He wasn't a party animal like me. He wouldn't have hung out with people like me. 
But he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments? He says, well, I've kept these. I'm a good person. And Jesus said, one more thing you lack. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And you'll have great treasure in heaven. And then you realize that even for the good guy, relative to guys like me in the past, the spirit of the world, the world, it says he went away very sad because he was a man of great wealth. And he wasn't willing to give up what money could buy in order to have what money can never buy. All of us lived among them. I don't give you a nice guy and you grew up and you never were, you know, crazy like I was, you know, before I committed my life to Christ. Or whether you were crazy like I was when you, before you committed your life to Christ. It doesn't matter. All of us lived among them at one time. You see, the world, the world. It's a powerful lure. That's why in our text it says, it says, let me read it again. It said in our text, Revelation 14, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine for adulteries. So there's the offer of salvation. There's the declaration. Babylon's going to fall. Third, there's the final warning. And this is, one we don't need to spend a lot of time on because we read that verses 9 through 11 eternal damnation I don't like it any better than you do that's what the Bible declares it's a final warning final warning number 4 follows in verses 12 to 13 and that is an eternal exhortation for those in this coming day who will say yes to the gospel Receive Christ as Lord and Savior. They have great price to pay, but it will be worth it. They will give their lives, literally, but it will be worth it. And then the last point. Point number five from the text. Here's what God's saying. The last part, verses 14 to the end of Revelation chapter 14. (laughs) You can understand this. It's the end. I'm talking the end. Now, it's the beginning, if you have the right perspective, but it's the end for the world. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She's going down. And I couldn't help but go back in my mind to some of my favorite watering holes pre-Christ before I committed my life to Christ. One's called the Beacon. One was Max Lounge. Max Lounge still operating today. They're still drinking it up, man. One in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina was called Mother Fletcher's, man. We had some great times and then one, man, the band that played, uh, the, the, the house band at, at the Magic Carpet in North Myrtle Beach. When the band would take a break, you'd follow the band back outside in the back of the Magic Carpet. And they had the best drugs. They had the best drugs and discount. And I flew on some, a lot of Magic Carpets at the Magic Carpet. I'm not trying to glory in my past. But I had, I had some fun times, man. I had some great times. You know, and don't send me an email. Why do when I say that, I, these parents send me these emails saying, you, you're glorying in it, you know, and it wasn't fun. It was fun. Yes, it was. I was there. I'm telling you, it was fun. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. See, the problem is, the problem is she's going down. 
And thank God, I finally woke up and I'm not going down with her. She's going down. The title of the message for those five points was easy for me. You know what it is? Last call. Remember those times for you guys that we would have hung out together in those days? Yeah. We would have been together in high school, you know, at Mother Fletcher's, at the Beacon, at Max Lounge, at the Magic Carpet. And when the lights flicker, and we were always there when the lights flickered. I mean, we're partying into the night, buddy. And when the lights flickered, you knew what the lights flickering mean. Last call. And guess where I was the last call? I'm at the bar, man. I'm getting the last drink before they close down. Last call. This is God's last call. Revelation 14. I just love Jesus so much. He's, he's so violated religious tradition that wasn't based on truth. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He had to go through Samaria. He knows he's going to get talked about because he's going into Samaria. And Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. And there's a woman there. We know her as the woman at the well. He asked her for a drink. She said, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You asked me for a drink. She was surprised. If you knew who asked you for a drink, you'd ask him for a drink. He'd give you living water. Sir, the well is deep. And then she starts to give him a, what she believes, a Bible lesson from her beliefs. And, and he basically said, you know, you're kind of off there a little bit. And then he says, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right in saying you don't have a husband. You've had five. And after five, she's given up on marriage. And now she's living with a guy. A lot of women like her in our day. Well, and he says that. She leaves her water jar. She runs back to town. She says, I met a guy. He told me my whole life. He knows everything about me. And six guys perked up and said, really, everything? And the whole town comes out and they listen to Jesus and, and so many. They took a drink. Jesus said, you, you drink this water, you never thirst again. Man, you know, you, all the partying, you never had enough. You never, I never, never went away from party and go, man, I'll never have to party again. I'll never have to party again. That party, that was the party of all parties. We don't have to party again. No, it was next week. And for us, it was next night, you know. It's going to end. Everything, everything we go after without God in the equation is going to disappoint us in the end. And that's why God's so gracious and so loving for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And one day he's going to send an angel with one last call. Hey, would you come? You take the water of life. But even though it's going to be a literal last call by an angel, God's calling right now. Is he calling you? I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't know how much you know about Jesus. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. Have you ever really received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Bible says today is the day. Why? Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today's the day. So in that sense, last call. Today's the day.
We're so glad you tuned in today for Pastor Danny's message in the book of Revelation. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of the messages from this series, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today or would like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. We're so privileged to be able to pray for you. You can connect with us on social media as well. Find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and jump into the conversations there. Find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. And if you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we want to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect Creator, and we know that you'll fit right in. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. With that, our time with you has officially come to an end. There's much more to learn from the pages of Revelation, so we hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.